Hello and welcome to the Brew Watch Show. I'm your host, Jonathan Ferrer, and I'm also the designer and founder of Brew Watch Company. Thank you for joining us on the second episode of the Brew Watch Show. Get your coffee ready. Today we will cover the design processes and thoughts that I personally consider when I'm designing watches. So I received a great question online, and this individual asks, how do you go from a concept to idea to technical plans in the watch world? Also, can you give us a sense of that creative flow into the technical production? Sure, so this is a good question, and I think it pertains to not only watch design, but also product development across the board. So whether it's watches, furniture, car design, I think there's a good foundation of that creative process that's very similar. So typically, you always want to do your research first. Do your research, you know what type of product you're looking to have as an end result, but you also know the direction you're heading. Uh, with this research, you can figure out what materials you're also going to be using. Uh, with watches, it's typically 316L, stainless steel, non-corrosive, it'll, it'll last. You can polish, you can brush it, and you can give it that mixed finishing that really pertains to your design. Uh, and then, of course, you have to figure out your manufacturing capabilities or complexities. So when you're coming up with this concept, I personally think about is this going to be a difficult to manufacture type of part, case, the bracelet, uh, the movement? So when you're creating something completely from scratch, you have to think, how complex can I go? And in the end, is it necessary? Because every decision you make is going to affect the people that are, one, making this watch, manufacturing it, hand finishing it. Uh, is it going to make it difficult to service later on? So again, this is still just in the concept stage, but you're still thinking end result. Is this gonna be a positive added value for the watch? Or is it gonna be more of a difficult complexity that's unnecessary? So after all these thoughts go out, you're keeping your brand philosophy in, in play, it makes sense. Then you also have to think, how many units are you making? Because if you're making something extremely complex, then you may only be making a, a limited supply a very low MOQ, minimum order. Um, so when, once you figure out, is this gonna be something more mass market in the, the thousands or maybe in the hundreds, or this might be a hobby project where you would like to just mill out a handful of these. You're, you're talking very, uh, let's just say bespoke, independent. You know, you have your MBNF, you have your Acrevia. These are brands and people that are making watches in the, the handful per year and they're spending so much time and they can make their watches much more complicated. So once you figure out that plan, then uh, typically you also wanna figure out what your final retail will be and where you're going to enter the market. Myself, uh, when I'm making brew watches, they're in the more affordable range. You're talking anywhere from 350 to 375 US retail. Um, but when you're talking about a brand like Swatch, for instance, Swatch is making watches for about $150 retail and, and much less, you're talking 65, 75. So you figure an average of $100 retail entering the market. So their manufacturing capabilities are very strong. They have watches that are almost 100% built by robots, no hands-on, but the watch is very efficient. So it's efficient with telling time. Uh, it's efficient with its materials. They're using acrylic, acetates, plastics, but they also have these materials assembled with robots that are so efficient, the watch is gonna last. It's a fashion watch, so you also know that uh, it, it's open to the mass market where more people are accepting of it. So that, that's a very good plan for them. 
Now with brew watches, I believe since I took a different approach about the design philosophy, where I was inspired, um, actually producing these watches in an attainable way, that it wasn't your everyday watch. However, it was still comfortable and familiar that people would want to wear this watch, would want to share the watch, would want to handle it and look closer because it was different. It wasn't your everyday watch that you could walk into a department store and handle and understand right away. It, it was like an art piece that you were intrigued by, or at least I believe, and that you would want to look closer and look at, say, maybe the artist, where they produced it, how they produced it, why did this even come to be? And so I believe that's where brew watches kind of comes into play in a unique way. And so then you look at the market for brew watches. You look at who are the people, the owners, who, who are buying these watches and why are they buying these watches? Because as a designer, these are the things that intrigue me. It's not just you produce a product and just put it into the world, although that is very interesting in its, in its own right. But the, the most interesting thing for me is why are people buying this watch? What are they saying? What are they, what's the real feedback? Are they enjoying this? Why? Uh, are the things that can be improved? How? And, and these are the things that continue to, to turn the wheels, uh, so to speak, in the design phases. So I always say each watch gets better than the next because it's an evolution. You, you continue to learn from stage by stage. And then you, you continue to learn about the people, the owners, which is the most important part of every brand. It's not just the end result of the watch. That's, that's halfway there. The other half, the most important part, are the people that are wearing and enjoying this watch. And if they're not enjoying it, there's room for improvement. And I always say there's room for improvement. So these are the things that I think about. And I say to myself, where would I like to go in the future? Where would I like this next design to go? Is this gonna be an added value from the last piece and how? Is it the movement? Is it, because it's not just the price. If you're looking at just the price, don't get into watch design. Of course, you, you need to have a product that's attainable. However, it's not just an added value by price. It's added value by design, how it wears. Is this unique? Is it only uh, attainable in certain countries? Is it only attainable you know, from the hands of the designer? And so these are all the interesting things that go into play when you're designing a watch and, and from that evolution. And you know that, that's why I think especially the micro brand uh, category, and we'll go into this later, is so unique and so special. And I think that's why it's also thriving because it's going against the grain in just the right way and just far enough that people appreciate it. See, people have been exposed to the same watches for too long. And I believe that people are uh, sensible to something that's new, unique, of course, value-driven, uh, but, but have been designed and manufactured in a way that's almost unattainable from the everyday universal market that's out there. So I think that's where the micro brands come into play as offering something unique. And you know, as the designer talking about these design phases, that's, that's a type of thought that's going through your mind. How do you continue to level up from each stage? So that's, that's why I believe Brew is unique and the micro brand community is unique. It's, it's not just the watch, it's the people. And the people have a huge influence not saying that you should always listen to what they're asking for, but definitely be aware, have your ears and eyes open to what are people reacting to and why? And analyzing this to an extent, but not making it the huge driving force for your design. Because I think in the end, you always have to go with 
what your design philosophy is, stick to your guns and stick to what you believe is best for the brand, the watch, and you know, the long term of the company, which is always producing the best product and that added value that people will appreciate. Now, back to the product development of a watch. Once you figure out your final retail and where you're going to enter the market, that's when you do pencil to paper and you start your sketching. So when I do my sketching, it's always rough. If you ever look at an architect's sketch of a building before it's built, you'll see it's very rough. You get those scribbles, right? But those scribbles are the ideas. Those are That's really the foundation of these. Uh, are these going to be applied markers? Are they going to be thick, filled with loom? Are these going to be all pad printed dials where it's a little bit more flat, but it's more complex with its design and color? Uh, now you're thinking of your case. Is this going to be a, a, a very unique profile? How is it finished? All these little scratches go on the paper and you're figuring out all these little notes, these little details. And then after I do that for some time and I have all these ideas, uh, the most important thing for me is to figure out, all right, how is this going to look in terms of scale? So then I'll do my 2D Illustrator. So typically I'll work in uh, 2D Adobe Illustrator. And this is good for me because I can put all the details on the computer. I can figure out all the scale details. So I know how big I'm going to make the logo, how big I'm going to make the markers, the case, the case finishing. It's all drawn to scale on the computer. And I'll draw in a fashion that it's very realistic, photorealistic on the computer. So I get a good sense of how this will look in real life. And it's a very fast way of, of getting these impressions. And these impressions, they, they're so rapid that you look at your idea and you know right away, is, is this gonna be a reject? Or is this something I, I'd like to proceed with? And that's something, if you talk to any artist, it, it takes a lot of time just going at these designs over and over. And always at first, it doesn't always feel right because watches are very particular with design meaning the subtle details are what makes or breaks a watch, whether it's the color, the size, the, the dimensions of how far the, the markers are in between each other, you know, that, that little space on the dial from the markers to the hands, how thick the hands are. There's so many subtle illusions that make a watch either great or not so great. So these are things that I think about and I'll go into more detail later. But after I do my 2D design on the computer, I'll print it, I'll look at the scale. Uh, that's only in 2D. Now I need to see how it looks in 3D because if you're only working in a two-dimensional form, you're missing out on all the potential opportunities to make this watch unique on pro different profiles. So you're talking about the side profiles, the back, and eventually how is this going to wear on the wrist? So then I will go straight to 3D design. That means I'll be modeling this on the computer in three dimension. And with that file that I finally create, understanding the dimensions of the movement, the hands, is this thick enough to make it water resistant, if not waterproof, and everything is drawn and made to scale on computer, I will take that file, I will 3D print it, and then I have a perfect one-to-one -one reference of the exact scale. But now that is an ABS plastic, so there's something still missing from that. You have an ABS plastic 3D printed part. What's missing? Well, it's not steel. It's not the final finished part. And like I said before, what makes watches really great are these subtle details. So you don't have that the weight of the steel. You don't have that nice high finished polishing or brushing of the steel. So that part's still missing. 
you use the 3D printed part to figure out the different profiles. Does this have the curves that I want? Does it have the overall dimension that I like? Would this fit on a good size average wrist? Because for myself, I like to manage the size of the watch very specifically, meaning I don't want this watch to be oversized where most people wouldn't be able to wear it, but not so small that it feels like a grandpa watch where it's, it's for a very small percentage of the market. I like to make it very well-rounded for everyone. I guess I could say that even though my watches are square, but well-rounded for everyone. So then after I confirm my 3D printed part of the size and the dimensions and the profiles that I like, I'll work directly with my machinist to CNC a final prototype. And I say final, I mean one of probably a dozen that will come out. And once I get my prototype in stainless steel, it gets milled out on a CNC machine. Uh, for those of you that may not know what a CNC machine is, just think of a drill bit that works on multiple axes. It comes down from the side on different angles and it will essentially mill out a block of stainless steel in the shape of the watch that you've created in your 3D file. So essentially that 3D printed part that I had originally made in plastic, we will finally have that in stainless steel. Exact same dimensions, a little bit more tight on the tolerances because the CNC machine is much more accurate of getting it down to that very finite type of, uh, how you could say, scale. Almost not noticeable to the, the human eye, but it's very tight tolerances. And then once I have that, I'll have it finished, brushed, polished to the exact, uh, I guess, callouts that I had originally wanted. So then you have the finished prototype in your hand. Now that's only the case. We haven't even touched upon the dial, the strap, the bracelet, you know, we can go into packaging later. There's there's so many different avenues that you have to go down to really complete a watch. And you know, that's typically why you work with different teams. And it's typically why it takes many years to get a watch just right, because it is a full package. There's a lot of different steps that go into making it look and feel just right. So that's the basic foundation of the different creative processes that go into it, not just with uh, the overall design, but actually technically creating it and having it whole and and confirming this is the final piece that I'd like. All right, well, that'll do it for episode two of the Brew Watch Show. If you have any more questions and comments, feel free to email me at support at brewwatches.com or send a direct message on social media at brewwatches. And we'll see you next episode.